this evening. We'll be seeing a message I've entitled, Walking in the Fear of God. Walking in the Fear of God. I want us to notice several items with this message tonight. Number one is that all of us have a responsibility to fear God. I should say not just us and put that as a second person pronoun, but I should just say in the third person that we all, everybody, everybody should fear God. It is everyone's responsibility. Number two, we're going to see tonight that our realization of who God is will help us to fear Him. Our realization of who God is will help us to fear, fear Him. And then when you realize who God is, you'll begin to realign your life. And then when you fear God, you'll see that He rewards those that fear Him. He always rewards those that fear Him. God is a great rewarder. You know that? He's a great rewarder. And sometimes we don't see the reward on this side of heaven, but we're not looking at this side of heaven. Well, at least we shouldn't be. For the things that we're looking at are not temporal, but eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 18. We should all walk in the fear of God. Acts chapter number 9 gives to us the story the true account of the early church in the early days and how God was sending this persecution wave to kind of get the church going into different areas of the world. And in this persecution wave, God used a man named Saul of Tarsus. But in chapter number 9 is that monumental chapter where Saul of Tarsus is saved on the Damascus Road. Some have said that it's one of the most profound salvations in Christianity. And I'd hate to try to argue with them. But in Acts chapter number 9, we find God, the Lord Jesus Christ, meeting him on that road. And saving his soul. And we find his story for us in Acts chapter number 9. But after he's saved and after he preaches and after he has to escape Damascus by being let down uh, the wall in a basket, the Bible tells us in verse number 30 of chapter number 9 that when the brethren knew that they had brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. These folks, these early Christian believers were walking in the fear of God. I'm going to see tonight what does that mean. Now I could probably take several weeks just to unpack just that one phrase, the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. I forget how many times it's mentioned in our Bibles, but it's mentioned many times. But tonight we want to see just what made these people fear God. 
we're probably all, all very familiar with one of the most famous verses on the fear of the Lord in the Bible. It's Proverbs 1-7. If you're not familiar with it, I would uh, recommend you that you familiarize yourself with Proverbs 1-7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But how do you get knowledge? You get knowledge by being taught. Somebody's got to teach you something. Knowledge comes from being taught. That's what Solomon was doing in his Proverbs. He was writing to his son, Rehoboam. And unfortunately, Rehoboam didn't listen to all the wise wisdom that Solomon had. Probably because that Solomon was leading somewhat of a double standard sometimes also. That's a, good, that's a good thing for all of us parents to always realize that let us never think that we just say to our kids, uh, do as I say, not as I do, all right? That's bad advice. They see a hypocrisy there. But you get knowledge by being taught, and if you're going to walk in the fear of God, you're going to have to be taught how. Do you know who the Bible tells us who should teach the fear of the Lord? Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 10. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather my people together, and I will make thee hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. You know who the one of the main teachers of the knowledge and the fear of God is? It's you as a parent. You are to be teaching your children about the fear of the Lord. You're to be walking in the fear of God as a parent. You're to be teaching your children how to fear God. That's not always done with words, but it's oftentimes done with actions. Another person that is instructed in God's word to teach about the fear of God are ministers, preachers. Those are represented for us in Psalm chapter number 34 and verse number 11. David is writing as a preacher. He's writing as a prophet, as a minister of God. And he says to the congregation, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And I want to teach you about that tonight. That's what we want to do. We want to study this out. So if we're going to learn to walk in the fear of God, then we need to know just what it is. If you're taking notes tonight, I would tell you this. To simply put it, fear is reverence. That's just a very simple understanding of what fear is. Fear is reverence. Or you might say it like this to give you a little bit more detailed definition. It is a genuine and sincere respect, an awesome devotion, a great awe, and admiration towards the almighty and all holy God. I know that was a lot. I know that's why I gave you the short one first, all right? Uh, fear is reverence. But it is the genuine or sincere respect, the awesome devotion, and the amazing awe and admiration towards the almighty and all holy God over the universe. To simply put it, if you want to fear God, just remember this statement. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. All right? God is a big God. Amen? I mean, the Bible doesn't say to us that his throne is in heaven. Though it is. What does it say? 
Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Think about that. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on heaven, and I'm resting my feet on the earth. That's how big he is. Do you ever fear, would you fear a, I should ask you this this way, would you fear a grizzly bear in the wild? You should. You'd be a fool if you didn't. Yes, you would be scared. But let me, let's use it, let's turn that around. Let's use it in the way that we're talking about tonight. Do you fear a grizzly bear in the wild as you fear God? If you're smart, you would. How do you fear a grizzly bear in the wild? I'll tell you how. You carry some bear spray, all right? You carry a 44 Magnum, all right? All right? You have your head on a swivel. If you're camping at night, you make sure to put all the stuff away so that the bear doesn't smell the things. You, you make sure to take care of yourself so that your camp is okay. Uh, not because you're shaking in your boots and you're scared out of your mind over this creature who within one swipe with his two to four inch claws could rip your throat out. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is this, is that you have a healthy respect for this animal that God has created that could kill you. You respect it. And so you have knowledge of it. That's the kind of fear I'm talking of. We should all have a healthy fear of venomous snakes, poisonous spiders, rushing water, unsecured heights, dangerous creatures. If you ever notice, and if you ever pay any attention to documentaries of people that do any of these uh, wild and crazy things like raising uh, king cobras or people that climb uh, very tall mountains, you always find that with the professionals, they'll say that once I lo- when one gets hurt or somebody gets killed, they'll oftentimes say these words. They'll say that I lost my respect and fear for fill in the blank. I lost my fear and respect for fill in the blank. I'll never forget a man that uh, was a handler of king cobras. And he knew it was a bad day. It was rainy outside, he said. it was. I know nothing about king cobras. I'm just relating to you what he said to me. Or not to me, but to, to on the documentary. He said that, uh, he said, I knew I should not have messed with him. I knew it was not the best of days, but you know what? We were filming that day, and I just, uh, just kind of just went ahead and went against my better judgment. And he got bit. He got bit right on the hand and nearly lost his whole entire arm. Uh, nearly died. Had he not have had a lot of training and experience and knowledge in uh, venomous uh, bites like that, the doctors at the hospital were about to amputate his arm. He woke up just before the amputation was about to uh, commence and roll him in there, and he said, no, that's not what you do with venomous bites. He had to instruct them. That's how much knowledge he had about venomous snakes. What happened to him? He lost his respect, his fear for such a dangerous creature. I could illustrate this in uh, another way. Uh, Here recently... We can you maybe use something that all of us can relate to because I don't know that any of us have king cobras in your house. Uh, but here recently, uh, we had some ice storms. You know what? I feared that ice. I feared it. What do you mean? I feared it. I didn't. Now I didn't sit in my uh, my house and, and 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 at the dinner table and and look outside and I, oh there's ice. I'm so scared. You know I didn't do that. 
what did I do? I walked outside and I held on to something. And I tested it. How slick is this? Actually, I went over and I grabbed something else and I gingerly walked down the steps. And then I went into my uh, little shed there and I grabbed some salt and I sprinkled it around there. You might have grabbed some sand. Why? What are you trying to do? You feared the ice. You feared what the ice could do to you. You feared falling down, and you didn't want to fall down. But I'm telling you right now is that God is bigger than ice, and God is bigger than a storm, and God is bigger than a grizzly bear. We ought to fear God. We are required to fear God. Do you realize that? It is a requirement of everybody. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 10, 12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God. He says that's a requirement. You need to fear God. You say, what about, uh, what about people that aren't the children of Israel or people that are not saved, preacher? Well, listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 and verse number 13 says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Mankind. Everybody is supposed to fear God. Take your Bibles over to 2 Kings chapter number 17. I related this story a little bit on Sunday morning, and I thought it might be helpful to clear up any uh, confusion that there was in what I said on Sunday morning about lions attacking people and ministers or Levites trying to teach them how to fear God and those kinds of things. Maybe you picked that up on that. Maybe you didn't. I said it real quick. 2 Kings chapter number 17. It is the duty, it is the responsibility, it is the requirement of every person in the world to fear God. And when we don't fear God, and when people don't fear God, things, bad things happen. Bad things happen. 2 Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 24. Look what happens. And the king of Assyria, okay, to give you just a touch of background, the, the northern kingdom, Israel, has been, uh, they've been, banished they're they're gone from where they're at the Assyrians have moved into their cities okay and when they moved into the cities the Bible says in 2nd Kings 17 and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cuthath and from Ava and from Hamath and from Seraphim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof and so it was in the beginning of their dwellings listen to it these are unbelievers these are not children of Israel these are not Jewish people not Hebrews that they feared not the Lord therefore the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them wherefore they spake to the king of Israel or Assyria, Assyria saying the nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land therefore he hath sent lions among them and behold they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land so what is, what's, the, what's the plan? They send in these priests who teach them about the God of the Lamb, who is, who is Jehovah, no doubt. Now take your Bibles and go down to verse number 34. If you want to read the rest of the story, some down, do it another time. But right now, just go to verse 34. It says, And unto this day they do after their former manners, they fear not the Lord, neither do they the statutes or the ordinance after the law of the commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Israel, whom he named, but... Listen to what he says here a little bit further down in verse number 41. So these nations feared the Lord and served their gra graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so they did unto this day. So here's what's happening. They feared God, 
because of the lions, but they really didn't fear God all the way like they should have done it. Does that make sense? They didn't go all the way with that thing. But what's amazing to me is this, is that even in the little bit of half-hearted fear of God that they had, God stopped sending the lions. That's amazing. Why is that? Well, Acts tells us this in the book of Acts in chapter number 10, in verse number 35, I think it is. It says, but in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. God has a very merciful way of viewing people. If people will just fear God. You know what's the issue with America right now? Is that people aren't fearing God. We're living in a scary nation, folks. Now, there are still a remnant that fear God. I thank God for that. I mentioned to you a man that was saved just the other week. I have no problem telling you that before he was saved, that he was a God-fearing man. I don't have any issue with that at all. Somebody doesn't have to be saved to be a God-fearing person. Because that's the duty of every single person. To fear God. To, to say, there is a God who is real. And I don't want to upset his plans. I don't want to go against him. I, I don't really want to do everything that he says, but I want to be kind of careful of what I say about him. I want to be careful in what, what I do about him. But we as Christians have a much greater responsibility. Thine heart hath been lifted up, and if thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, Deuteronomy 8, 19, and it shall be that if thou do at all forget the Lord and walk after their gods and serve them and worship them, I testify unto you this day that ye shall surely perish. God told that to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8, 14 and 19. We must not forget the Lord. We have to fear him. We have to fear him. Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 2 also even tells us there, there was a man whose name was Cornelius that feared God and prayed and gave much alms. It is the duty, it is the responsibility of all of us, every person, to fear the Lord. And when you run across a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a person that has no fear of God, you might just take a step back. might be a lion behind a bush, okay? I'm serious. God has put it in every single person to know that there is a God. And every person has a responsibility to fear God. So that's very general. Number two. Number two, I've already given you our points tonight. But when we begin to know more about God, it will increase our knowledge of him. And in doing so, it will also increase our fear of him. Go back to your Bibles in Acts chapter number number 9. This early church, why did they fear? What made them walk in the fear of God? Well, some of them had seen Jesus raised from the dead, did they not? Some of them had seen signs and wonders from the Holy Ghost. They had seen cloven tongues like as a fire sit down on the apostles and the others in their upper room. They had heard and felt a mighty rushing wind in a closed room. Some of them began to speak in tongues and diverse manners that they didn't know. They preached and thousands were saved. They had experienced the persecution of the apostles. They experienced and witnessed God striking down Ananias and Sapphira dead. I'd make you think about lying again in church, wouldn't it? 
<laughs> they had seen a cripple be healed at the gate beautiful, and they had seen many others healed. They had seen the martyrdom of not only Stephen, but they'd also seen it of James. They experienced the fierce persecution of Paul and of others and of their own selves. They were banished and they had to flee Jerusalem because of persecution. They saw the Samaritans saved. They saw an Ethiopian eunuch saved. They saw others saved. They had seen and witnessed the church's number one enemy, Saul of Tarsus. Trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God was working mightily in their midst. God had showed them many infallible proofs of his power. God had shown them that he was real and that he was, he was one to be that he was one to be taken seriously. But I suppose one of the main reasons is that they were saved. That's why they feared God. They had known the almighty power of God in their lives and had been produced in them and that they were now children of God. Say, preacher, that's all good, but I don't have any of those things. What does that do me any good? I I haven't seen any of these things that you mentioned. It's great that they had it, but I don't have it. No, we don't. You see, if we're trying to rely upon some experience to help us to fear God, then we'll probably be very sad. What did I tell you in Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 7? What is it that brings us the fear of God? What is it? Where does it start at? It starts, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. Where does our true knowledge come from? Right here. It comes from God's Word. Where are you going to learn about God? Where are you going to learn about the fear of God? One preacher said this one time. He said that the reason we fail too often is because we do not know our Bibles and we do not know our church history. We don't know our church history. Everything that I just read to you there in the, in, in the book here, everything that I just told you, that all the experiences that they experience is that we have it right here written for us in black and white. Their experiences and what they went through is ought to embolden us and let us realize, you know what, we ought to fear God too. If, hey, listen, if God could strike down two people in the book of Acts, chapter number 5, for lying to the Holy Ghost, could he do it today? He sure could. You ought to fear God. That's the word of God on it right there. I got the word of God on this thing. I don't have man's word. I've got God's word on this thing. We ought to fear God. We ought to be such in a place that we fear God that we say, could, could God still save thousands of people? We ought to fear God. We ought to be ready. Maybe you will do that again. I don't know what God's planning. I don't know what God's up to. I don't know what, hey, what about persecution? Maybe that's coming. You better fear God. Because if you don't, you're going to fear man. And if you fear man, you're going to, run the, you're going to tuck tail and run. Is what's going to happen. And you're going to run away from not man. You're going to run away from God. But if you fear the Lord, you won't fear man. You say, how am I going to get that? You're going to get it right here in the book. 
You're going to find what they did and how they experienced it and what they did and how they feared God. They didn't fear people. They didn't fear mankind. They feared the Lord and they walked in his ways on a daily basis. But you know what else is this? Is that in Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 42, the Bible tells us this very plainly. That, that after it was all said and done, that big glorious day, it says in verse number 42, And they continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They were being taught in the word. Constantly, daily, the word was being taught. So the more they feared, the more that they were fearing God, the more they were being taught about God. And the more they learned about God, guess what? It was just helping them to fear God more. And the more that they feared God, guess what? They wanted to know more about God. And the more that they knew more about God, guess what? That helped them to realize that they needed to fear God more. And the more that they feared God, are you getting the point? Do I have to keep going on? I don't think I need to be a broken record here tonight. And that's what happens. Is that we find our fear of God and the knowledge of God in the word of God right here. And that tradition did not stop because in Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 20, Paul says to the Ephesians, How I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, he says. I went house to house teaching. I went publicly teaching. I taught people the word of God. What have I been doing the last five or five or ten minutes here? I've been teaching you. I've been showing you. I've been showing you some church history, just how big God is. And in seeing how big God is and what God can do and what God should do, it should help us to fear the Lord. Remember the children of Israel? They were going through the Red Sea. They saw the wonders in Egypt. They saw all those kinds of things. And then they went into the wilderness and they had children. Well, those children did not see those things. So what were the parents instructed to do with the children? Teach the children about the Red Sea and all the mighty powers of God. Well, there were more children born that didn't see the mighty powers of God in the wilderness. And so what did God tell those parents? He said, make sure you teach them about the mighty power of God that you saw here. And then what happens in Joshua? Joshua says the exact same thing. After they had conquered the land, you have now small little children. Here, you need to teach them how God helped you to conquer the land. Are you seeing a pattern here? That in life, and the Christian life, that's what we do. We pass down what God has taught us and we pass it down to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation that's exactly what the word of God is for us we have the history of acts of the of the early church right here in this book we ought to take it up and fear God because of it you and I are maybe not see some of these mighty acts but that shouldn't matter we have his word on it We have his word that God can heal cripples, that God can strike people dead at a moment's notice, that God can save thousands in a day, that God can still lead heathens to Christ, that God can save the church's worst enemy if he so desires. Do you revere God? You stand in awe of God today at what he's done in the past and what he could do today? Has God changed, church? Let me ask again. I sounded a little lame there. Has God changed, church? God has not changed. He is still the same God as he was yesterday as he is today. God is yesterday, yes, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is him. 
Do we have any respect or revere reverence towards this God? What does he do? As I've said, he fears the mountain. But what does he want to do more than anything else? He wants to climb the mountain. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like the naturalist or the biologist. He fears the grizzly bear. But what does he want to do more than anything else? He wants to get as close as he can to the grizzly bear as he can. Why? Because they have great fear of these objects because they know them. And the more that they know them, the more they want to get close to them and study them and understand them. That ought to be the way that it is with us. We ought to look at God, not in a necessarily in a shaking in our boots sense, though sometimes we do. But we look at God and we say, God, I fear you, but God, I want to get closer to you. I want to know you more. And that's just the beginning of it. That's really the beginning of it. Walking with God is, is realizing that you have a responsibility to fear Him. That you have a real that we need to realize more about Him. That we need to, when we do do that, when we know about God, what happens to us? It realigns us back to Him. It realigns us. The Bible tells us in Joshua 24, verse number 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Whenever you begin to fear God and know who He is, it's like I said on Sunday morning, it'll help you start to take off the mask and be sincere, be genuine with God. Because you fear God. Because you know that no matter how many masks you put on in front of God, He sees right through them all. He'll help you to be sanctified. Sanctify the Lord God of hosts and let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Sometimes there's churches out there that the pastor is their fear. Their pastor is their dread. Uh, their, their mom is their dread. Some people have. Their, their, their dad is their fear. Their uh, boss or whoever it is. Some, some person in a life they look up to is their spiritual leader, if you will. And I have no issue with spiritual leaders. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this, is that if you look to somebody, a person, then you're going to base your whole life and how you live and how you do things are based upon what they have said and how they have put it and what they like and what they don't like. Hey, listen to me. And you're going to either be too hard or you're going to be too lenient. But you know what it's all going to be about? It's all going to be about my feelings and about what they said and how they did it. And well, they said this and then they didn't do it right. And now they're, they're, they said this and they're really doing this. You know, what's, you know what you're doing right there? You're fearing man. And God says, no, 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 no. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and fear Him and have your dread upon Him. Understand this, that one day your account will be reckoned and there will be no man or woman or person, whoever they are, that will stand in front of you that day whenever you give an account to God. But it will be God Himself and whom you give an account to. That is who you give an account to. Let Him be your fear. Why should you live a sanctified life? Because of God. Because you're going to stand before God one day. That's why. Why else wouldn't I want to live a sanctified life? Why should God be my dread? Because God is going to open the books one day. 
That's why. That's exactly why. Well, preacher doesn't like this, or she doesn't like that, or my husband doesn't like it when I do that, or my wife doesn't like it. it I, listen to me. I'm not saying don't care about what your husband, your pastor, or anybody else likes. That's not what I mean. But what I am saying is this, is that if you're living for somebody else and you're not living for God, what's the book's going to look like in that day? Or even think about this. What happens when that person is taken out of your life? Then who are you living for? Who are you living for then? See, God never leaves. God never forsakes. He's always there. Whenever we begin to fear God, we'll begin to rely on ourselves. We'll become real with God. We'll become holy. And then we'll walk, we'll sojourn in fear. It says that in 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's word. See, there he says it. He judges according to every man's word. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. You're just traveling. That's all you're doing. What is a traveler doing? What are they doing? They're walking. They're sojourning. Walk in the fear of God. Every step you take, let it be a step taken with the fear of God in mind. Fear is also rewarding. If you fear God, if you fear God, there are certain benefits. God will preserve you. He told that to the nation of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 12, whenever they asked for a king. God said that even though they had asked for a king and they had sinned in this matter, God was still going to bless them and he would preserve them if they would what? Guess what? You guessed it, right? Fear God. Fear God. Uh, God will teach you more about him. You realize, and I just illustrated that earlier, but if you begin to fear him, begin to know him, God's going to teach you more things about him so that you can fear him more. Psalm 31, 19 says, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear him. He's laid it up. What is that telling you? We're oftentimes looking for God's goodness, you know, under here. And maybe it's in here. You know, or maybe it's maybe God's goodness is in here, you know, or maybe it's in here or maybe where I can look under here. Maybe God's goodness will be there. But God says, I will lay up my goodness for them that fear. Me. God is reserving his goodness for those that fear him. Say, so what does that look like? Don't ask me. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I'm looking forward to it. It'd be nice to look forward to it. To have some goodness of God on this other side of glory. God will remember you. God will be merciful to you. God will accept you. I could go through one after another after another of the benefits, the rewards. There's reward after reward. God will remember you. The Bible says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and he wrote a book of remembrance about it. That's an awesome verse. And he says, I will, when I make up my jewels in heaven, then I will spare them as a man spareth his own servant, son that serveth him. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Say, so why should I fear God? Well, do you like the mercy of God? Amen? 
And who likes mercy? Amen? Then fear God. If there's, if there's any other reason why you ought to fear God, just get the mercy of God. That God's God was merciful to a bunch of heathens that half-heartedly feared him, and he stopped sending lions for their half-hearted fear. What if you as a believer gave a wholehearted fear to God? You'd be like, okay, whenever you said, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. And Joshua said, it's yours. Go take it. Go get it. Go get it. His mercy's on you. Every step we take, every time our foot hits the ground, may we have a reverence and a respect and an awe for God. When you do, what happens? You clean your life up with God. You want to be holy like God. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You're not going to be a hypocrite because you're taking calculated steps in this life because you're taking into account every single time that you make a decision, that you go somewhere, that you do something, the fear of God is on your mind. You're making a judgment based on who God is. When you make a judgment based on who God is and how you fear Him and respect Him, you know what you have just accomplished, began to accomplish in your life? You have begun to accomplish what people call a biblical worldview. You begin to see things through the eyes of God's Word. You stop seeing things through the eyes of of popular culture, science, whatever else this world has to offer. We begin to fear God. It's our duty. It's our responsibility. God is more present than a grizzly bear in Alaska. Do you fear Do you fear you walk daily in the fear of God. May God help us to do so. And if we do, He will grant us His preservation, His goodness, His remembrance, and His mercy.